According to the official records, after Tarias died, the Dax symbiont was put into Curzon. What if that's not what happened? What if Dax was given another host before Curzon? A host who should never have been given a symbiont. A host named Joran Bellar. Well, hello and welcome to Tarek Noir. My name is Joe and I'm here with my brother Matthew and we're here every week to recap Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 4, Equilibrium. The story was written by Christopher Teague, the teleplay by Renee Echeverria, and the episode was directed by Cliff Bowl. So Matthew, do you enjoy taking a relaxing, electroshock-filled dip in the milky waters on Trill? That's a koi pond. And that's a koi pond that you can't see the bottom of. I am not stepping into that. No. I mean, like, Jed Zia was able to step in it, and it didn't look very deep. But if I know anything from watching Discovery, uh, that can go deeper than you expect it to. Like, you can, like, go super, super down. There's tendrils everywhere. They're grabbing at you. Like, we don't know what's at the bottom of that pond. No. No, thanks. Like, I... um. You know, you have the whole watch Jaws once uh, as a kid scared to go in the deep end after type situation. Yeah. And when you're in the deep end of a pool, you can see what's down there. And this, you know that there's little creatures floating around. At the very least. At the very least. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, you know, I've gotten into hot springs before. Yeah. Yeah, I've done the, like, climbing around into hot springs. Um, that's that's an experience. But you got to do that with a crew of people. So you have someone that can rescue you or something? Well, typically, the, yeah. I mean... Or for other reasons? Springs, it, was, uh, it was, like, kind of a, a <clears throat> like a California Clans County. A California um, what county? Clan, clan County. Oh, clan County. Uh, CCC, people, if you will. CKC. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, people don't don't know or recognize like how many like KKK groups there are in California. But yeah, outside of outside of the cities in California, it is uh, like Alabama, <laughs> California, and one of these places had hot springs. And I was happy to be in there, but we came across, you know, different groups of people on the way in and out, and I needed an escort. Um, the, mm-hmm. o- the other contact that I have with Hot Springs was in the 1995, six, seven movie, Dante's Peak. I am familiar. Where, you know, you want to see like, you know, I, I'd like to go. You don't to, want it to get that hot. I'd like to. I'd like to go to a hot springs with uh, with my lady. You know what I mean? Like, okay, a romantic good time. Sure. Also, you know, it's kind of dirty in there, but whatever. I could try to get. A, I could work my my head around. Like, maybe whatever's in there is being boiled out. I don't know. But those people went in there and they were trying to hook up, and they ended up with their skin boiled off of them. A real uh, anti-sex ad in the middle of a movie with Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) Should have, yeah. Say no to sex before marriage. Before lava gets you. I feel like they should have showed that in church or something. Be like, see, this is what happens. God is watching. I did watch it with church people, so there. That checks out. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I... That is definitely one of those images that's been, like, seared into my brain of, like, well, I don't want to go somewhere that it's too hot. Because I've seen what happens when it gets too, too hot. And I don't want that for myself. That is not my idea of a good time. Um, I mean, I've never been close to, like, experiencing that. So, like, you've never I think I'm okay. Be, you've never been close to experiencing uh, lava lava shock? No, I do stay away from uh, lava or the possibility of lava being present 
Um, like it looks like it moves slowly, but you know, you trip and fall and you're fucked. Um, all those people it in just Pompe- doesn't seem good. All those people in Pompeii got you know blasted into space. Yeah, you know, in in place. You know what I mean? Like the lava couldn't be moving that slowly to have caught all of them up. Well, right. I mean, like I've seen some lava flows. I I mean, I guess that's more of just like a a trickle lava flow rather than like a full volcanic eruption. Like that's not a Pompeii situation. That's just like when the tap water is just like, like slightly leaking, you know? Uh, I, so it's more that kind of thing that I feel <laughs> like I could run away from un- unless I trip and fall. But no, I don't want to have a Pompeii situation. I, I had a real phobia of like volcanoes as a kid. I don't know if you remember, Same. like, I wasn't afraid of a ton of things, but I was afraid of volcanoes. Yeah. And I remember, like, taking this, like, you know, father-son trip with dad. At, sure. Like, you know, 810, whatever, 810, whatever. Yeah. And we drove all the way up to Mount St. Helens. I remember. And you could still see some of the trees down and whatever, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And he's wanting to go around and look at everything. And I'm like, fool, this is a volcano. <laughs> like, like, I already told you what this volcano could do. <laughs> Why, what do you why, mean look around? We know what's going on here. We why understand. are we trying to be here like this? Oh, yeah. let's look at it. Like, oh, you want to look at in down the barrel of a gun to see what it like. Like, I don't need to know. I like I've I've got a good idea about what it does. I don't need yeah. to personally look down that thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not what I want. I don't know if it's like because of the name, but I feel like I remember growing up and someone saying that mount diablo was like volcanic or something because of the name maybe (laughs) and that was just like that definitely was like a concern of like we live awfully close to it and like there were times that we lived slightly closer to it never like right up on it but like still it still felt close enough that it was concerning the only Um, negative the only like scary time that i had up there which wasn't actually scary was the opposite of all volcanoes. It was, it rained Hanging and flooded. Out with our relatives? It, it flooded so hard one day that we had camped there that it uh, like picked up our tents and took us yeah. down a stream. Yeah, yeah. Which ended up, you know, which is pretty cool, but. I mean, it is, but yeah, it's the, that's. It's the opposite of a volcano. Is what that is the opposite there. of a volcano. It's still not pleasant, but that definitely is the opposite of a volcano. Yeah, um, I mean, what was it that same movie that Dante's or that same year that Dante's Peak came out? It was also Volcano. So, like, if you really had a fear of volcanoes, like, that is, like, you know, if you, like, if you have a fear of just lava erupting from the ground underneath Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, then don't watch that movie. That movie actually cured me of my fear of volcanoes. You just thought it was too ridiculous? Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, That's it's fair. time to, it's time to grow up, be an adult. Like, let this go. Well, this seems absurd. Let this, let this childish this. fear go away. Like, you're fine. You're yeah, never going to get fair. killed by a volcano. It's fine. Probably not. And if, like, I feel like if I'm in a position where it happens, then either A, I had it coming, or B, there was nothing I could do about it anyways. Like, the Are Pompeii people could have done it. Well, the Pompeii people couldn't have done anything about it. They were just fucked. Like, not much you can do. But, like, if I'm just, like, doing, like, what Dad was doing and just, like, oh, let me just look down the barrel of a volcano and then something happens, like, I feel like that's kind of on me, you know? Yeah. I mean, you should... That's all I'm saying. Like, if if, like, if you put your head in a bear's mouth and the bear just does a little chompy chomp... Like it's kind of on you, is all I'm saying. Just a little chompy the, chomp. That is the thing that people do. The 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 like, oh, I'm a friend of all animals, including the I predators. Saw, I saw this fucking Instagram video, and it's like literally this dude walking barefoot at night in the Florida Everglades, and he's just being like, Oh, look, there's just like a whole pack of like half a dozen alligators. They're all staring at me. Hello. And then looks at another, hello, and then looks at one that's just, like, underwater that keeps on getting progressively closer and closer to him. And he's just like, hello! He sees a cottonmouth snake and then boops it a couple times. 
Um, he runs up on another snake, runs up on a like super nasty looking spider that looks gross. And he's just doing all these things, just super blase, like, ha ha. Like, this is this starts is the, uh, like antagonizing a baby alligator. Like, this is the intersection uh, of pick me, um, you know, doing it for the gram, like social ridiculousness, and the um, like, I need to bring adversity into my life to feel alive. Really, yeah. you know, like this person, this person could have been like an X Games or Jackass type person, and they happen to like just be that but for animals like oh yeah let me just uh you know do do this yeah i don't i don't need to do that shit i am a black queer trans femme person that is existing in america today i don't have to like add additional uh uh potential for death to befall me like (laughs) i'm good like i already walk around with people like trying to prevent me from being able to live my life hurling slurs and shit like that like i i'm okay i don't i'm just uh i'm just saying like just play russian roulette you coward you know really (laughs) stop wasting all of our time all right (laughs) speaking of wasting all of our time let's talk about today's episode (laughs) oh lord uh it's it's fine uh However, if uh, you want to, instead of watching the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode called Equilibrium, go watch the Christian Bale movie Equilibrium. Much better use of your time. Just saying. Um, But the episode summary is Dax goes into shock when the computer aboard the Defiant displays a picture of the trill composer of a song that has been on her mind. Cisco tries to seek out the mysterious link with a long dead musician and Dax only to have all the official channels closed in their faces. Like, I don't know. There's just not much that happens in this episode, you know? Um, There are a couple of things that I'm definitely going to want to talk about, um, but there's not much that happens. That's all. Like, 42 minutes came and went. The notes that I took in this episode, like, I probably took the least amount of notes that I've ever taken for for an episode <laughs> of the podcast like it's you know like i i have notes about like how google is faster than the defiant computer you know just just nonsense notes anyways <laughs> no um, for real though like uh and things that aged real tough was the idea that you couldn't like they're sitting here doing um like a 1995 internet search Computations on the computers in Mad Men set in the 60s were faster than this. Like, all I have to do is just, like, pull up Google and hum a few bars of a song. And it'll be like, oh, you're talking about this song, aren't you? I'm like, yes, I am. Thanks, babe. It's weird because they they all live in a surveillance state where anybody could just, like, access anybody's personal personal logs. They can just ask the computer where you are at any given time. Yeah. Like... Like somehow video records and shit. Video records. Like everything is being cataloged, but then if you need it, the indexes are just so bad that you can't Yeah, it's you can't get there. It's really funny. Anyways, um, what I do want to talk about is the episode starts off in a very fun way that like this is a kind of thing that happens across like nearly all Star Trek shows. Um, Star Trek as a brand just discovered, you know what people like? food you know what else people like the commander being a good dad to his staff that's what people like uh we got Riker doing that in tng making incredibly bad eggs um that only Worf liked but none of the humans uh on the on the station or on the spaceship liked uh we get christopher pike doing it in strange new worlds famously like that dude, it was like cooking in at least three of the 10 episodes that came out. Like that boy is just always uh, probably more like probably about half of the episodes. He was cooking for his staff. Um, uh, here we get it. I don't think that it happened in Voyager because you had Neelix doing it. But like it's a big thing, you know, having like the 
you know, work family gathering around to plate of, you know, uh, a, a meal, like a shared meal. Like that's a big Star Trek thing. Yeah, you know, inspired by the uh, the great uh, Italian movies of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, just being being real good fellas, being real godfather. Yeah, know, exactly. Like, hey, this is, we're going to make some spaghetti. Let me teach you how to how to make a good spaghetti um, <laughs> before some murder happens. Uh, but anyway, so Commander Chef, uh, we get Cisco uh, cooking up some things. Um, what's uh, fun is this is the first episode uh, that reveals that Cisco is from New Orleans and that his father runs a restaurant there, uh, which is really fascinating because if you have watched other episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, his dad is always referred to in the past tense. Um, but this is like kind of like setting us up for uh meeting uh the elder Cisco in the next season. So that's very exciting. Um, and I love that we have a captain from New Orleans. I love New Orleans and I miss it. Um Kira like flirts with Odo, I guess. I wouldn't go. Was that it just far. like a like, I wouldn't I wouldn't oh, go you're cute. Well, oh, look yeah. at you, you're cute. If, it was that was um a very friend zone thing to, to say that was... yeah but it was just like also like a weird friend zone thing to say because like she didn't have to like that just no, she was just she looked at this dude who was a being a fucking weirdo about stirring something like like you've never stirred it like you have no idea what this motion is you've been walking around as a humanoid doing all kinds of humanoid things forever you've now. never thought to stir a thing and now you're like stirring it like the wrong way even after being shown, like this dude was looking like a like a serial killer, like he like, might be, he might be a serial killer. And so Kira was he is like, eight serial killers. Kira walks up and looks at him and laughs, and it, and at that point, okay, like, you're laughing at him, and now you got to be like, oh, it's cute, fair, okay, that's fair. I guess I'm bringing my knowledge of the rest of the series, yeah, you know, to like this as, particular moment and i'm reading it as something more than what it is that's fair i think that's i think that's what it's you just mentioned how um they uh they had already killed off cisco's dad like things things are very fluid things are very much movie. in flux in star trek yeah um yeah again there was no there was no play newer no but <laughs> that's um, what like they're not like dropping Megan uh, in the background of a whole season of episodes, so that when they drop, that was so wild that when they like, drop her in, you're like, oh shit, yeah, yeah. incredible. That's, that's she just not like what was slowly creeps up a little bit over <laughs> the course of the season, just slowly creeping up. Anyways, um, what I thought was really interesting is that you know Dax starts playing this tune after saying that uh none of the host nor the symbiote has any musical abilities whatsoever and she's playing this really really well she starts acting weird but whatever that's not the thing that i really wanted to talk about like this is one of several connections to season three of discovery um and like i love a deep pull as much as the next nerd but this is like I don't know if this was the intention. I don't know if someone in the writer's room that year or like someone in the Star Trek company was like, hey, this is kind of familiar. But like one of the the themes or one of the uh, recurring threads of that season was everyone in the galaxy knows this particular tune. Season three, the burn, of, the burn season, Discovery. Of Discovery. So okay, we got to slow down. I think you're talking like, so you're saying that people knew the song from this episode? No, what I'm saying is that in that season, there's people that know this particular tune. It's just one of those things that like are that's in the ether, but they don't know where the tune is from. And like Adira picks up the a cello, I think, and just starts playing this tune, even though they had never played an instrument before um but gray was the one that was the musician and so because gray was one of their past hosts they were able to start playing but it's the the whole thing of like i don't know where this song is from i just know that it's from something and you just start playing also without like being able to like adira never was able to play the song but then they just started playing the song similarly to how dax did in this episode where she didn't know the song but she just started playing it 
you could like they could have just shazammed this i I mean listen like like okay i understand that like the technology doesn't exist to the 90s but by the time of discovery it comes around i shazammed 200 songs google search on star trek goes the speed of the plot unfortunately the plot was very very flimsy in this episode they have apps where you can just hum a thing and it'll tell you what it is. That's what I said. Yeah, you can just yeah. hum the shit. Yeah. Anyways, but, I was just pulling in like it's I I it was I hadn't seen this episode in so long, and so like when there were a certain things happening, in particular this part, it immediately made me think of season three of Discovery. I don't know if anyone on the production team of Discovery in season three was making that connection i am making that connection now that's all well um you and i are built different because i do everything possible to not for to not remember season two i know i know Um, and as we get into it that's fine it is stuff that they have my least favorite season of discovery the trill stuff that they have like talks about this last week just like ludicrous someone's memory ghost is seen like they they spent we spent this whole episode where Dax is having these hallucinations, which are memories. But do you know who sees them? Only Dax. Do you know why? Yeah. Because they're in her head. Well, and like as opposed I, like, to a discovery, other people can see this. Only other only one only when okay okay. I'm not defending season three of Discovery because it is the worst season of Discovery, easily. But it was, and like, it it still didn't make sense. I'm going to explain what happened, but I'm also going to acknowledge that it didn't make any amount of sense whatsoever. Why explain? When they were in the little holodeck of this uh-huh. ship, that's when Gray was visible to Saru, Burnham, and uh, Hot Doctor. So they, did, um, they, did a, they did a police sketch of this. They were able to like. <laughs> They did a create a create a player in the holiday. There's, there's no reason like, okay, that Gray should have been able to show up. Okay. Yeah. Within there's the, yeah. <laughs> there's no reason that Gray should have been able to show up. Like that that doesn't check out. I'm just explaining that's what it was, and it was only within that context until uh, they gave Gray a Picard body, and then he was living in which, which again is a memory that turns into a projection that then is completely self-conscious and an independent like person i i guess we could uh if we had the picard body technology we could, could, could reanimate Dax, grandma could Dax, uh could Dax and then that bring, would be a whole thing so any trill could just bring anybody back i don't know it's they uh it's one of those things that's like hey we did a thing and we're going to forget about it immediately and we're going to remove Gray from the show because we have too many cast members on the show this season. And because it's a it's a, remi- a, a consistent reminder of the single dumbest thing that you've ever done. I mean, I could probably is think there, of dumber is things. There, is there a dumber, like, a dumber plot line on that show? <sighs> like, there's, there's a lot of really bad plot lines in the show. The show is... You know, I was, I was listening but to is, this... Um, I was listening to the uh, a L word recap podcast the other day um, and they were talking about how like you know when you only have one person that is like of one particular representation so like in the example of uh, L word generation Q they only had one um, fat character they only had one butch character and that's the character that they made have heart attack and have eating problems. They only had one trans actress and she was a cis character and they made her have like a relapse story literally every season that she was on a show, which was three seasons. Um, and then the series ends with someone getting a call from the police because either she died or she was in jail or something. And when you only have like one person of that identity and then you just give them a shit story, it really fucking sucks. Like it would have been great to have trans characters on Discovery with good storylines. 
that would have been great. This was why but <laughs> if you have like, you know, if there are multiple trans characters and one of them has a shit storyline and the other has a good storyline, that's okay. But like when we have to like, oh cruel, we got a, a trans character, and then it's like a really shitty storyline, it's like, well, fuck. We got it and now we don't have it anymore. You know, well, this is this is the problem of forcing like forcing quote unquote representation when you don't like is there a story there? Is this character like a is this a real character? Yeah. My... Are we just like are we writing like essays that we're just like forcing into a show? Like does well, it... and... Yeah, my 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 students are writing an essay. Um uh, based on a couple of Marvel movies like Black Panther and Captain Marvel, which were very like the black movie, the woman movie. Um, and also referencing an article that was like, so oftentimes, you know, minority characters in TV shows and films are literally there just to check a box. Like John Boyega, who played Finn on the new Star Wars movies, like he was like prominently on the poster in the first film in Force Awakens like all the ads, all the trailers were showing him holding a lightsaber. So it was like, oh, cool. We get a black um, Jedi in addition to Mace Windu who got, you know, thrown off a building. And then the movies were like, fair, no, that's fair, not all, what we're doing. All the Jedis got, got jacked. From, yeah, from but era. my point being, my yeah. point being is that it's like, it's very much a bait and switch and it's also just taking a box and then all three of those movies, none of them really did anything with the character. And so it's like, it's great that you have the character there, but then if they're not doing anything, then it just becomes painfully clear that you're just ticking a box and you're just wanting to be like, look, we have a black character in the film, but you're not actually giving that character anything to do. Or or you could um, have a character like in a workplace show, which is what, like Star Trek's a workplace show. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, like at your at the job, there might be people with different identities there, but you're at work, so like the whole job, the whole like your whole day is just people giving like mini dissertations about identity and stuff. You know what I mean? Like you could just have people with different identities there doing the job. Yeah, you know what you know what I yeah. mean? Like. Jordy I, was just there doing the job. They when they get into like some, slash being in and so <laughs> when they get into like racial stuff um with Cisco, that's very much like that's very clearly coming from like Avery Brooks and they've and they've put some like thought into it and they're trying to like do a thing. Um, but it's not it's not something where like every episode, you know, Cisco's like sharing his feelings about whatever i don't know Anyways. well like i mean like there there are aspects of the adira and gray storylines in discovery that like i i understand what they were doing and i appreciate what they were doing i wish they did it better like it's literally like um you know like you know feeling seen like it's they kind of took the adira and the gray storylines of basically being a stand-in for like kind of all minority representation or at least lgbtq representation in the sense of like you know, there is value, we can argue and debate the value, but there is some value to being seen, like for yourself to be seen um, in a particular media. Um, and that was the like, that was like an on the nose kind of storytelling, because at the end of season three, all of a sudden, Gray was seen. And then in season four, they gave him a body. And so he was really, really seen. So it's very much like, we see you literally and figuratively. (laughs) Um, And like, again, like Star Trek is never one for subtlety. And I love that about Star Trek. I am not subtle in my writing either, but it still could have been done slightly better. That's all. I was, um, I've been doing a a wire rewatch. they like to do TV rewatches, have it in the background while I'm working from home. Who, this, like, is this, podcast, this is a rewatch podcast. You're, you're in good company to say <laughs> that you like doing rewatches I was, yeah, of I was, TV shows. I was just sitting there like, yeah, you know, I was watching this 20 year old show, then I realized that I'm on a podcast about a 30 year old show. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, Coming soon, anyway, our, our follow up pod to Deep Space Nine, a rewatch of The Wire. 
Oh, that'd be fun. You could watch it the first time while I've I rewatched it. It would be fun if we did a, a rewatch podcast where like it's a what first if, what time. What if for we uh us. what if we just what if we made a switch nope. right now? Nope. Okay. Anyways. Um so there's like this... completionist. We're we're doing it all. We're doing profit and lace. We're doing every episode. Anyways, keep going. So so there is um a police commander who's like a real hard ass, just an absolute dick. And he's kind of like one of the antagonist types, like within the police department for like the other police officers. Um and He's he's a, a cast member, you know. In season three, um, someone is looking for the openly gay character on the show, um, Omar, who's like, uh, the like the badass character mm-hmm. of the show, like is that um, dude, Michael that K. Bad. Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. like like a year ago. I mean, um, okay, so like, time is yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, I just flat circle or whatever. Another the um another guy from the wire just died like last week. So that's why I was like the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah. so anyways, so so Omar's like the big hitter. Um and some people were going to like try to find Omar. Um and so they went to this gay bar and we're like trying to find him. And they like were talking about like um why like this guy's like, why do I gotta go? And it's like, cause you're your um homophobia is just so transparent like you gotta like <laughs> you gotta go like blah 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 and so he's like he's there and he's like all uncomfortable and he goes and then omar's not there we shift the scene then like 20 minutes later in the episode you see him there again he's not there then you see him there a third time and as he's leaving the bar the camera pans and you see that police commander in there in the gay bar like talking like like you know holding court having a good time and then that's it like you never like there's two more seasons of the show and it's never like addressed in any way but it changes the character you're like oh this like this changes the character in my mind because i have this information that he didn't have but then it's like okay well in what way does it actually change the character because the character continues to act the same way that they always they always have you know, and it's like there is there's plenty of queer representation in the show. One of the cops oh. is a lesbian, like Omar's gay. We see it's like all a kinds cliche of- at this point for lesbians to be portrayed in cops, on unfortunately. Sure, like whatever. So um, but the point is is that like you can you can do things where you are like complicating the way that you understand who a character is or see a character in something that could be just like um, like just like a flash in a scene can, can well, make a big impact. Like what I'm saying is like there's there's ways you can also do it the other way. Like I said, like we've seen Omar all these seasons. We know how people interact with his with his homosexuality, like all this stuff. Like they get into it, but like it doesn't have to be that for every single. Character. Yeah, but like I mean, like was the captain celebrated for being gay? Like was he accepted and able to be openly gay in the show or no? No, but I mean, no, no. That's like I said, no one. Knew so that, that is a problem. Gay. No, that's not a problem. What I'm saying is that like the show is is complicating the way that you understand. Like it makes you think deeper than if he's like, I am a gay. Like you know what? Like you know what I mean? Like well, I mean, like I like. I I personally like okay so like I haven't watched The Wire but like we've both watched Mad Men so like Sal uh, Salvatore Romano um, I love the character and I love the um, uh, you know the storylines of that character but at the end of the day it's still tragic you know like dude got fired for someone that wasn't his fault and he got fired because of shitty reasons and then the last time we see him is he's gonna go have some fun in central park he has to be married to a wife when he doesn't want to be married to a wife and even like the bob benson storyline like that's shitty too and it's like yes those are great complications like those are like it is great storytelling for sure but also on the other hand it's also really really cool to have characters that are fully embraced and accepted for who they are Sure, but that's and that's what I'm saying that like 
Um, that was why. That's why, and we talked about this, you know, how however long ago. That's that was my actual main complaint with the character on Discovery, was it wasn't just like, oh, here's this person. They're f- like, we're going to be fully accepting, and show what it looks like to just fully accept this character. It had to be like, let's sit down and have like an after school special style like message and but that's star trek like star trek does do that like in tng they had like tasha yar and data explain to wesley why drugs are bad and you and you shouldn't do drugs i know like star trek is very i I understand i understand yeah absolutely make fun of it and that's what i'm that's what all i'm saying is that like it's all i'm saying is that it's kind of um weak storytelling and it could be written better which i would say the same thing for I mean, we're talking about this episode and how, like, this episode... I mean, we're not actually talking about it. We're talking about literally <laughs> because, everything else under the sun. Because, because of how talking about this episode, episode is, yeah. But, like, yeah. but like I laugh, like, the um that one with Data and Tasha, one of my my favorite after-school special on TNG is the, the game, where they all mm-hmm. get the game and they're all, like, giving you addicted. Addiction is bad. To, like, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, like, even Wesley's mom is trying to get him to, like, just try it, you know, type of a thing. Like, Even actually, Judd has tried to, which I mean, <laughs> at that point, you kind of have to tap out, like you know, <laughs> you know, like, like I, um, yeah, like I, I can, like I, I feel you with it. Like I'm just saying, like it's also not like the pinnacle of. Uh, no, I mean, I, I definitely like I. Oh, it's not, no, it's not art I, at that point, <laughs> I agree that like having. Uh, after school specials to talk about certain issues in Star Trek is not the best way to do it. Is that a hallmark of Star Trek? Yes. Is like would I prefer something else? Also, yes. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head of like, you know, a better example of a character being, you know, just being who they are. Um, like for whatever reason, this is sticking my mind in my head, but like there was the Disney movie Strange World where Jabuki was playing. It just makes me laugh that, like, knowing Jabuki's comedy, just like one that of, he's just one playing, the, like, an innocent teenager on a Disney the, movie. One of the hilarious. goats of Twitter, you know, like... Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the um, FBI one, like... Like I'm gonna think about I'm, that. Like, I'm gonna think about that every Martin Luther King Day for the rest of my same. life. Same. <laughs> it's not like his tweets are not widely available. Dizzy really was like. <laughs> we know who you are and we still want you to play an innocent teenage boy. But like, you know, his character was just fully embraced by his uh, parents, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, uh, Dwayne Wade's uh, Gabriel Union wife, Gabriel Union. Wait, um, Jake, oh man, this is, this is so tough. Jake Gyllenhaal's playing dad to like 20 or something year olds. You know, hey, Oof. everyone gets old at some Oof. point, unless you don't. So Oof. it was coming for Jake Gyllenhaal at some point. Um, but it came for Jake Gyllenhaal. It came for Jake Gyllenhaal, and I said nothing. But yeah, I mean, like you know, it's. Uh, I I mean, I guess I again, I'll reference the L works. I've I've been like um, mainlining episodes of this podcast, and again, like. In the original L word, there was a trans character named Max who was treated horribly on the show and also behind the scenes off the show. And he was the only trans character that they had for, you know, three seasons of the of the show. And it was just completely awful. And so in this new reboot of L word, they had uh, two trans men in the first season. Then they got rid of one of them. But then, you know, they had this one trans guy on the show that they're like, we are going to right the wrongs of the past. And then they didn't really give him anything to do. So like on the one hand, actually, no, they still did kind of like PSA stuff about like, here's what you need to know about trans people um, in terms of how they handled Micah. But anyways, um, we're getting off topic. I'll circle back around to this episode. Uh ha- you know, uh, I'm all in favor of having diverse characters and uh, and more and more specifically, diverse actors on shows. I would ask to not have a single token character and single token actor and to please give them uh, good writing and good storylines. That's all I ask. Uh, justice for Tess, justice for Micah, justice for Adira and Gray. All right. We good? Huh? Are are we? 
I don't know. I wasn't expecting this to be like a crossover that we're covering the L word. We're covering the L word Chen Q. We're covering the wire. We are covering Mad Men. Like we are, this is, you know, come here. It's just like showing up to uh, Cisco's loft. Uh, you never know what you're going to be fed. And today you're just being fed a whole shit ton of TV references. That's what all we do on the show. All you know is that it's going to be delicious. Exactly. Even if you don't like beets, the beets are still going to be delicious. Okay. Back to the episode. Um. Uh. Again, it's just it's just rough. Um. She's humming this song while she's playing chess with Cisco. There were a couple like notes of it that kind of sounded like the DS9 theme, uh, which that made me feel good. Or maybe I'm just like the DS9 theme is on my mind, <laughs> but it sounded like there were a couple of notes in there. Um, I don't know. You're the music person, but uh, she gets mad. She accuses Cisco of cheating. Uh, she goes down on the promenade. There's like a whole scream killer situation with masks. Um, okay. Before we get further talking about the mask situation, do you want to know why there's masks in this show? Uh, I desperately. Okay. I will tell you. Uh, oh, so Renee Echeverria's first teleplay uh, for DS9, this episode, had its genesis in a magic show seen by executive producer Michael Piller. The show featured pr- performance magician Jeff Magnus McBride, who appears as Joran Bilar and his math metaphors. This dude went to a fucking magic show and it was like, masks! We gotta have him. That's that's how it works. Well, he wasn't wrong. The original pitch was they were gonna have a circus. Yeah, that doesn't. So I'm glad that they workshopped the story away from having a circus. It's still. unclear to Would me. Like after them to having, workshop it a little bit further. After how after seeing this whole episode, can you tell me what like what that was about? Uh, not entirely, no, but I'm quite positive it's supposed to be the representation of her past hosts, you know, all these different masks, all these different faces, all these different hosts, all these different memories. Right, but, ah. but it's not that she's seen, but it was made clear that it's not that she's seen hallucinations. Correct. Or dreams, which this would Well, seem but like the under, dude, the dude that, that killed seen, the guy that she's seen was wearing memories. a mask. Yeah, the dude that killed the guy was wearing a mask. Right, but he wouldn't have seen himself taking off a mask and revealing a mask because no. he's seeing that's through true. the mask because that's where the eyes are. That that is true. That is how one, masks work. Because one's one, in memory. Maybe memory he uh, typically first person. Maybe he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror before he killed the guy, and that image of himself in the mirror just stuck in his brain, and now it's <laughs> showing up in Dax's. Listen, it doesn't make sense, but you know, memories. We don't know how the brain works. By then, they probably don't know how the brain works either. They don't even know how Google works. Um, it's weird. Bashir uh, gives us a little bit of techno babbly, medical babble stuff. Um, kind of is trying to explain the hallucinations. There's something out of sync between the host and the symbiote. None of that matters. Do you know what does matter? What? We get to go on the motherfucking Defiant, baby. We are back on the motherfucking Defiant. Which I wasn't sure how long we were going to have to wait after the episodes of the search uh, because there was extensive damage that they had to repair. Uh, I guess it's all repaired. That's I great. love. I love that they're leaving. That they they got the Defiant there to protect the station from the Defiant. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and even though they were going into Federation space. They decided to right. bring a whole Defiant crew and leave the station alone. Because it was a medical emergency. They didn't know it was a medical emergency yet, but it was a medical emergency. Could they have taken the runabout? Yes, but it doesn't go as fast. <laughs> I, hey, if you got a medical emergency, are you going to take the Porsche or are you going to take the 30-year-old Corolla? The Corolla has a better chance of getting there than the Porsche. Valid. Okay, yeah, I don't know what a good comp is for that. Anyways, I'm excited that we're on the motherfucking Defiant. Bashir is excited that he's in his uh, in his in his pajamas, and Dax pays him a visit. 
uh, and he gets to have good bedside manner and kind of talk her down. Uh, and then they share a bunk with each other. Not share a bunk. He's on the top. She's on the bottom. Um, which I feel like it would be the reverse. She would. She's definitely a top. Anyways, um, that's a that's a other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I see this. I see the smile on your face. You're real clever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean she's definitely a top. Anyways, um actually she's a switch. But um we meet uh this uh you know the main trill medical person that we're gonna spend way too much time with, unfortunately. She has more hallucinations. Uh she almost beats up Bashir. Uh the Defiant Computer is taking fucking forever to to identify the music. I don't understand. The thing that I do understand, though, is how often the sets get reused uh, across the 90s Trek shows. Like, those caves, like, those caves are the same caves that are on literally hundreds of planets uh, across the galaxy. And I love that. I love when we get to use the same set. I also love that Discovery did a good job of, like, copying uh, the caves like they had a very like in the trail episode where Adira goes you know takes a swim um, the caves were very very similar the pool was very very similar I love that I was really really happy that they that they made that pretty similar anyways just a straight comment doesn't seem difficult but yeah no but that's still like you know you like when Star Trek looks no, like Star Trek you no, know? I'm glad that they did I, you know I'm just saying you know it it, no, I'm sure it does not take much to spray paint some fucking foam and, <laughs> you know, erect it. I'm just saying that, like, you give, you give me, like, a day and a half and I'll I'll reproduce the caves. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's go. I mean, I know you're heading out of town, but anyways. Um, I have a question for you. Can you answer this for me? Yes. The Guardian is, like, checking, like, the pH balance and shit in the, in the water. Is he just like a pool guy? He um he's special. He's a special pool guy. He looks it's like not, a fucking pool guy. He's just like a, no, like he doesn't taking the thing. He doesn't, he doesn't look like a pool guy. Um, I mean, no, because you know he's not clothed properly for that. Yeah, he's not clothed properly. He, he doesn't have the right um uh like he's what he is is um a reptile guy. Oh yeah. I remember like reptile guys like in in uh you know grade school where like they got a lizard or they got snakes or something and they're just like Have you met my ex? <laughs> it's just a, it's a, it's just a like it's a vibe. It's a weird vibe. That they're honestly very... should have been my uh one of the first red flags. Oh listen. All there were a lot of red do. flags, but anyways. yeah, all you have, yeah, yes, someone saw all of someone saw them. Okay, <laughs> I saw them too. I just ignored okay. them. I'm just saying, like, I was just running, point, I was running red lights forward. in that entire relationship, just constantly and running red lights. You, you were running the red lights, and I was the bad guy, even though I didn't even do anything, I was just not fucking with, <laughs> with Buddy, anyways. <laughs> Listen, uh, next time, next time you're in one of those, just holler at your boy. Let me talk to this person for like 10 minutes. You know, I remember how you felt about one of the the earlier red flag situations. And like, I don't think that I even asked you about my you know most recent one because I didn't want to hear what you would have to say about it. And okay. here's the thing, like for anyone out there that has, you know, that that like has siblings. If you're the younger sibling, like there's few things that are worse than having an older sibling be right about something. Few That's things that I are do. worse. Few things that it are worse. It is one of the most awful things on the planet. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> I have suffered much in my life, but nothing <laughs> more. I have not had any greater suffering than having to admit that my older brother is right about something. I'm going to say this. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge I told you so person. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. I'm, I might like you a little like, hey, you know, but like I'm not a, I'm not a huge I'm not a I'm not a huge I told you so. Person. Just a soft I told you so. Just hey. you gotta you got like sure. a, 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 a so. reference to it. Like it's not even a direct I told you so. It's just a 
Oh, huh. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's get back to talk about the Guardians. Uh, he honed in on Dax. <laughs> yes. Uh, he honed in on Dax. And like, is that where the symbiote needs to be? Like, I feel like his hand was a little bit low when he was trying to like sense what was going on with the symbiote. Like, I feel like it just could have been like His hand wasn't low because if he- I didn't say it was low, low. I just felt like it was too low. No, because if the hand were any higher, you'd be like, what's this guy trying to do? No. Because anyways. I just just, I'm just saying there's there's, there's a tight spike zone there. And I feel like the person we've all seen Hitch. I mean, that's on the other side of the body, but like we we understand not too high, not too low, right in the middle. That that's about like what's implied. This has to do with like actual anatomy. <laughs> sure, fair. Um, anyways, uh, one of the other things that he made me think of, not just uh uh as a pool guy, um, not the first time that I've referenced minority report, and I'm pretty sure I referenced it either last week or the week before um but like you know the uh i forget what his name is but he was in like oh brother where art thou but like the minority report guy that like um hangs out with the inmates and like may or may not be doing things with the inmates wait the inmates or the precogs i thought he was with the inmates which guy the he was in a wheelchair in, in that in that episode or in that movie oh yeah 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 hmm Hmm. Either way, like there was, I mean, maybe both of those characters were given a little bit of creepy vibes. I didn't get creepy vibes from this guy. And, uh, you know, he, he, it wasn't, it wasn't full on creepy, but it was, I do not talk to a living soul. Yeah. Which is, which is different. Yeah. Like his whole life, his whole life, his whole life is making sure that these, that these, uh, uh, snakes or eels or whatever are, are living fine. Yeah, That's but like he's he's the kind of guy that doesn't talk to anyone and has a god complex. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's got a god complex. I think that he's serving them. Maybe. Okay. Well, I'm tired, so maybe my vibes were off on this guy. Anyways. Yeah, I think I think he was just a uh, like just a just like an Cis- odd little guy. Cisco, to wear the little Bashir left, like not not concerned at all. And you've got like Cisco, who's like dad best friend. And we've got Bashir, who's like jealous, like into this person, and they're both like, "All right, cool, sweet." Like they, neither of them were like, "Oh, this guy's a threat in any way." <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, anyways, they're both just like, an, right, odd, uh, an odd little guy. Go hang out with um, a little weirdo. Yeah, but uh, they return to the Defiant, and finally, the Defiant uh, Google search works, and it pulls up a result. Um, she sees an image of. Uh, this dude, she passes the fuck out. Uh, we return back. Um, we turn back. We return back to Trill, and Avery Brooks does some like really, really lazy acting. Like he said, so like they were saying that you know they might have to separate the symbiont from the host, and he's just like, "But that'll kill Jadzia." <laughs> like it was like there was just something in his delivery. Like it wasn't that flat, but it was just like. Uh, why I really have to say this? He was you know? reading these lines for the first, very first time. Someone in the back of the board, hundred percent, like, "Hey, here's here's what you got to say." Yeah, uh, Bashir and Cisco feel like something's going on. They talk to the uh, the Trill Guardian dude. He's being cagey, not trying to reveal inf- information. They do very quick Google search. Like they're able to pull up these records super fucking fast. They can't find a song, but they can find all these guys' personal uh records like immediately um they call the dude's brother and the dude's brother had some really really bad old acting uh again like i'm tired might be my vibe is off like it just seems a little like you know there's always bad it's star trek it's bad acting (laughs) yes it's 90s television with yeah yeah they figure out that the trill are trying to hide something when they return back to the Trill homeworld, they find out and they confront this doctor person that um, that the dude that she keeps that Jadzia keeps seeing in her in her visions, her hallucinations, whatever, is a Trill that the symbiont was joined to for about six months, and they just put a block a memory blocker on her because he wasn't supposed to get a symbiont and 
if the truth got out that basically anyone on the planet could get a symbiote, then it would be mayhem. Uh, they need scarcity on the planet to control the population, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, it's a bit of an elitist society that they got over there. You think? <laughs> then, the, way that, the way that they walk with like, you know, the arms behind, like, that's the Jadzia thing. And I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Had, like the people on the planet doing that too. Well, yeah. Like, oh, this is kind of like how y'all roll. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a tough look for them. It is. I mean, you were mentioning it earlier. Like, it is just like a manufactured scarcity situation that is just fucking bullshit. And it's, there's, like, it's just, it truly is fucking bullshit. I do like the idea that, like, there are planets that are a part of the Federation, that are member planets of the Federation, that have shenanigans going on, you know? Yeah. Um it's i mean talking about complicated complication of story and complication of like established things that we know to be true it is kind of fun that like it's a little bit fucked up like earth we know earth is post scarcity and they're all good to go and they're fine but this this planet has some problems i think that my question is how many slugs are like are the slugs reproducing? Yeah, that is a question of like, is it like a finite supply? How quickly uh, can slugs pump out more slugs? I don't know. Because like, once a slug is like healthy, then that slug is in circulation for hundreds of years. Forever, yeah. Right? So like, how many slugs do they have? So it seems to me that like, if there's a limited number of slugs, then the question is about the distribution of slugs, which is where that brings us to like the way that things are set up, you know, like here in our current world, where like the distribution of of these resources and goods are all like there there's a manufactured path for them to go to a particular group of people. They self self-replicating in that way, you know, like it's not it's not like anybody can get one of these slugs it's a particular cast of people who are able to get these slugs right exactly um but yeah it's i don't remember if like that gets like so fully developed in in pre in uh in future episodes but definitely is an interesting aspect of of their society um so if you're if you are growing up in their society, obviously you want a slug because it's slug people are better people, right? But would you would you prefer to have a slug where whoever you are changes in some way? And um now you're carrying like the emotional baggage of all kinds of other people. And you you've got memories, but memories are memories you know, to go for the, the eighth badman reference, like, <laughs> you know, like the nostalgia is like the pain of something that like can't yeah. be. So yeah. like, if you're going, like, if you're adding memories that you can't ever experience, is that actually something that makes your present life better? I'm just, I don't know that getting one of these is a great gig in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it is one of those things that, like, if you're setting up your society where you're saying there's only, a like, if you're, you know, manufacturing scarcity, that is, like, that does lead to manufacturing increased interest in the thing. Sure. Like, it makes sense for people on that planet to be like, yeah, we had, you know, the, as you the, said, the, like, the attempted, like, kidnapping and hijacking of the symbiont. Right. In last season. Exactly. Um, I don't know if I would want to have, like, I think there are parts of it that are, like, appealing. You know, like, if there's, um, you know, the ability, like, having knowledge of being able to do things, you know, like, having um, increased knowledge, increased abilities, increased awareness, like, that kind of thing, of just, like, having those experiences and being able to be, like, be able to pull from them like you might not it's not like a, a matrix situation where you just download right. like a skill but you do have that kind of reference thing it's like 
oh, I remember how to like play this or what, like that kind of thing. So like that kind of thing is appealing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it really, really depends on who you get stuck with, right? Like, so my students in my class are reading, we're reading the book Severance by Ling Ma. And there's, it It takes place in a, in a post-pandemic uh, America. And uh, the lead character, Candace, she is rolling around with a group of like 10 people um, who are all immune to this fatal disease. Um, and I had my students do an exercise of like, you know, kind of like imagining themselves uh, in that kind of environment. Um, and one of my students was like, okay, but what if you like get stuck in a group of 10 people that you hate? Like they all fucking suck. Like, and then you're just one of like 10 people that are confirmed alive in this country. And like, you either have to decide, do you go it alone or do you stay, do you stay with these 10 people that fucking suck? Like, at least then you have a choice. It's kind of a shitty choice, but at least you have a choice. But if you get stuck with a symbiont that has like really, really bad vibes from prior hosts, like that's a real bummer. You're just kind of fucked at that point. It's just like a it's a rush, like a gamble of if you're gonna get a good situation or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. The this seems it seems like a great life for the slug. Like you oh, were, yeah, slug, you're, you're you were literally slug and just you like go through space. <laughs> yeah, you're literally just cruising along through time and you're just like vibing and you're just hanging out. It like does seem like doing the yeah, work, yeah. Literally, it definitely does seem like a better deal for for the symbiote. Um, yeah. Anyways, you know, it's fine. This episode was fine. Uh, no, not really. I I didn't I didn't entirely care for it. That was kind of a lie. Um, I apologize for lying. Uh, that back real fast. <laughs> I did. Just like no, actually, I don't entirely care for it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. I think that's that for the episode. Um, episode trivia. I already mentioned first episode to reveal that Cisco is from New Orleans. Uh, it's the first episode to feature the Troll Homeworld, uh, which we'll return to across a couple of different series. This episode features a number of changes to the style of the USS Defiance Bridge, which I am personally excited about. A new captain's chair area, movement of the dedication plaque from the back to beside the starboard door, more consoles, more things for people to do and things going on um, in the rear and also on the walls of the side stations. Very excited about that. Also, uh, this episode is the only time in the series that the USS Defiant does not depart the station from the docking ring. When the ship leaves the station, it shows undocking from an upper pylon. That is the trivia that I enjoy in Matthew... Um, fucks off to his phone because he is not just does not care and that's okay that's you know fine. they <laughs> they reuse this the same exact footage of the defiant leaving yeah off of the thing so i you know and it's, it's glorious not, every time i love yeah, that it's, I love it so it's much. the same it's the same two seconds of footage so and it's the same two seconds of just pure unadulterated joy all right yeah i got a question for you Mm. where does this song fit in the ranking of star trek songs so there's like obviously so there's what, like the theme one, song no the uh the jazia song oh what 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 other songs well because like you've got you've got picard with a little like recorder flute thing um i'm trying to think i feel like there's a couple others uh anytime tom paris is like doing like a you know, uh, old fifties thing or whatever. I don't know if you ever. I, had, like, I think. Like, uh, I mean, I think that the Picard's flute thing still to go. Yeah, but. probably. Uh, speaking of songs, I forgot to like throw in this joke earlier. Um, but I was going to say that like I enjoyed that the entire episode was leading up um, to just reveal that like we're just in, going to be interrogating Trill society as like an elitist society. But it was a really, really long road getting that, getting from there to here. That was the setup that I was going to do. Just a very like, it's a joke for only a couple of people. I how personally do, you, do, do feel not watch it? Enterprise, but other people do, and I'm happy that they enjoy it. So there's a little Enterprise thing for you. That's it. That's all it was. 
if you enjoy Enterprise and you got that joke, please hit us up on Twitter at Tarak Noir Pod. Is that right? That's just Tarak Noir. At Tarak Noir. Yeah. Um, but before tell, you do that, tell Joe, tell Joe that you did clap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's talk about next week's episode first. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the episode Second Skin. Uh, and that's an episode where Kira uh, is a Cardassian. For, for they, they love this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Star hey, Trek remember that we're right doing this whole like Nazi Jew, uh, Israel, Palestine kind of like connection thing. What if the Jew is a Nazi? Still uncomfortable by the way that you said that. But yes. That's the way they pitched in the room. I mean, I'm, I don't know if that's how they pitched in the room, but that's kind of how. Like that's kind of Ooh. you know, it's uh, literally walk a mile in someone else's shoes. That's someone else being a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Nazi boots, goose stepping <laughs> boots. These boots were all right. <laughs> okay, uh, it's time to release Donkey Kong. Get us out of here! You gotta go. Oh, please. <laughs> Warp us out of here. <laughs> if you want to reach out to us with comments or questions, Engage. hit us up on Twitter. Our profile, as Matthew said, is at Tarek Moore, or send us an email at Tarek Moore Pod. Oh my God, they're shooting at us. We gotta go. <laughs> if you get the chance, feel free to give our show a five-star rating and a glowing review. That does not mention anything that we just said in the past couple of minutes. If we activate Quoke, we don't get the shields. Thank y'all for <laughs> Thank y'all for listening. We hope you join us next week, but until then, walk with the prophets, child.